All right, Melanated family, how's everybody doing today, man? This is your brother Harrison. I got a brand new episode today of the Melanated Convo podcast available for you, family, and this is going to be a good one right here, family. So look, in our community, let's, let's be honest, a lot of us aren't politically astute. A lot of us aren't sure about how the political process works. We want our black politicians or just politicians in general to do specific things for us. So on the show today, I said, you know what? The, the best way for me to get a better understanding of how a politician can help me is to actually speak to a politician, right? So on today's show, we have the sister Portia Middleton. Now, Portia is actually, and this is, this is important to me because I'm a big advocate of history. So I'm always reading about females through history who became trailblazers by being the first or the second to do said thing, right? So Portia was elected to the city council in 2018. She is the second African-American woman vice mayor ever in the Sacramento region. If I haven't said it before, I'm here in Sacramento, California. That's my hometown. She is also the second black woman elected to a city council seat in the region. And currently, she's the only one currently elected to a legislative to a to a legislative body so this is important family we have a sister on the show who is trailblazing who is doing great things for Centrus Heights and our community so I want everybody to welcome to the show Portia Middleton Portia how you doing today sister Thank you. Thank you. That wow. When you read off those credentials, boy, <laughs> boy, my grandpa will be proud to hear that. I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here just to have this conversation with you and talk more about how us as, as, a, as a people, as a community can really work together to bring about the political change that's necessary. Yes, because like I was saying, Portia, and, and I have to put myself in the category of black people in this country who become weary of the political process because Sometimes it's because we don't see results. Sometimes, honestly, we don't know how it works. We can read stuff and we can see the Republicans and the Democrats going back and forth with each other. And sometimes it's just exhausting. You know what I mean? So I thought it was important to have you on the show, get some firsthand knowledge of how this process works. Well, I'm happy to help help you through that process, at least how it works out here in Citrus Heights and a little bit about what I know about in Sacramento County in general. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so first thing I wanted to know, because, um, you know, I was curious to know, man, did this sister actually grow up in Sacramento or in our community? So I watched the video that was posted where you kind of introduced yourself and you were speaking to the fact that you did a lot of work in Louisville, Kentucky before coming here. So are you actually from Louisville? I call Louisville home. That's where I graduated high school and went to college. Um, but I'm a military brat. Our mm. family traveled a lot. We've been all over the country and, and abroad. So making friends was one of the first things I had to learn how to do and learning how to navigate communities was an important lesson and to get started in our communities. Definitely. I've heard that every person I know who was, quote unquote, a military brat, they're pretty well versed in all cultures because of what they had to endure just being in different places all the time. I'm, yeah. I can't fathom that. I went to one elementary school, one junior high school, <laughs> one high school, they all were, were within one mile of each other. So I couldn't imagine being a kid with all the pressures of being a young person and needing to make new friends. So I'm sure that kind of made you a little more well-rounded. It did, it made me very re resilient, um, got me some thicker skin. 
I also grew up the middle child of um, eight boys, right? So eight brothers. I have I have eight brothers, and so it made me tough, right? I'm them. So I'm out here like, man, can't nothing scare me because I got these eight boys I grew up with. They were no joke. They're all bigger than me. They're all taller than me. So you know, I was always you know little sister, even though I was the middle child. Man, I bet you know how to you knew how to play with a doll and throw a football, huh? <laughs> I do. I do. To this day, still do. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Now, something I always want to ask a politician. Um, when, when you were a kid, was that like your career aspirations to actually be in politics? Absolutely not. Hmm. I was going to be a surgeon like my dad. I was going to go to hmm. med school. And, you know, my dad was my idol. I love my mom just the same. But, I mean, my dad, I just thought he was the coolest thing ever, right? He was a retired sergeant major. He, uh, he, he walked on a military base and command respect. He was a leader. And I was like, look at that. He's a black man. And he's taking care of his family. And he, we're all happy and healthy and fed. And I want to be like him. So hmm. I, did a, I did a year of med school. And, man, people see you when they are not happy. I don't know if you can tell by my face. I'm a happy person. <laughs> I, I can't live my life like this. So I said, I'm going to do something different. Finish my engineering degree. Then, you know, life happened and came to Citrus Heights, California and looked around and said, there's, there's, a, there's a need for change here in this community. And I saw the Sunrise Mall project and I was just like, man, this mall is the cornerstone, the heart of our entire community. And it's dying slowly. And I leaned back into some of that work I did in Louisville, Kentucky and said, hey, the only way I can change this is from the inside. So I said, I'm going to run for office. And so I ran for office. And long story short is that I realized, man, people see you when they are not happy. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Now, you said the work you were doing in Louisville. So in Louisville, did you do like political work or were you like uh, involved in the community? What were you doing there? Absolutely. So I was actually an intern in the mayor's office, uh, Mayor Jerry, Jerry Aberson, who went on to work in the Obama administration. We mm -hmm. called it, we lovingly called him King Jerry because he could make anything happen in those communities. And I also worked on the Ohio River Bridges project, it was a, it was a three uh, state tri-bridge project. So we built bridges into Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky um, to kind of re regulate the traffic congestion that was going on along Spaghetti Junction. And um, getting involved in the community that way and knowing how to bring people to the table and get them to talk about this is the process. This is who we have to work with. This is how the work has to be done. And we want your input. And how can we how can we connect you to this whole process was important. And I learned very early on how to negotiate with all the shareholders to make sure everybody got a little bit of something that they wanted. Definitely. Definitely. Now, so clear something up for me because I did a little research and I'll be honest, it was kind of clear, but it wasn't. So it, it says you're mayor, but it says vice mayor. Now, is vice mayor like um, like a vice president? That's, <laughs> so, that, that's, that, that's what I thought when I seen it. Right. So in Citrus Heights, we're one of those few communities who rotate the mayorship. So mm. vice mayor is that person who would usually rotate into the mayor's position that following year. Got so it. I was vice mayor uh, last year and my colleagues, you know, we all took a vote and they elected me to be the mayor this year. And we know when I'm done with that, I'll just go back to being a council member. <laughs> Wait, so no higher aspirations or moving even higher up, like being oh, a mayor? Oh, no, no, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't say that. I mean, okay, okay, okay. one thing, once I got into politics at this level, I realized that what we can do at the local level, we can do a lot. 
But when we have state mandates and things that are brought down by our senators and assembly members, it's difficult to, to regulate that. You have to have your fingers involved in that. And I, so I said, you know what, that might be in my, in my near future. Hmm. Uh, because I really need to make sure we start clearing up and working for all the communities of color, but especially our black community. Definitely, definitely. So another thing I want to ask, so being the only black woman um, in in this process, like you're the only black woman in the legislative body. Now, I'm I would assume that because of that, there would be um, pressure or things like before making a decision, you would possibly consider who you are maybe people are looking at you a certain way like how has that experience been for you it's been really difficult trying to navigate that i know that i'm i'm competent i'm confident in my skills and ability but the way i show up and the way people initially look at me they're like oh black woman you're young i i literally had somebody ask when i was running for office what are you 18 <laughs> and i had to tell them like i'm a i'm an adult i'm married i have children <laughs> i mean and a college degree right and just that was hard. Being the only one means that I don't have anyone else to kind of bounce these mm -hmm. issues and ideas off of. So when we had all the civil unrest uh, when it came to George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Imagine everyone turning and looking at the only black woman elected like, OK, you've got black sons. What are you going to say? Wow. And I live in a city that's 73 percent, you know, Caucasian. Yeah. Right. What am I going to say? Well, well, that was wrong. <laughs> that was wrong. And we can do better and we need to do better. And mm. encouraging our departments throughout the region to work with the state officials who are bringing out that police brutality bills and you know, the use of force bills and stuff like that and say, hey, if you're not at the table, they're going to write whatever they want to write. And, and, and rightly so. I mean, we're, we're, we're at the point now where a stroke of a pen, we, if we have to get to the point where a stroke of a pen is the only way we can tell you that killing people is wrong, then mm. that's what we're going to have to do. But at least you should be at the table to hear that conversation and add whatever valuable input that you can, because otherwise it's just going to be something that's not going to work in the long term. That's you know what? When you said that, the first thing I thought about is I'm I consider myself a conscious person and really just for me, that just means I love my people. I know history. I'm an advocate for everything um, that needs to happen in our community, but I'm hard on us when we do things wrong, too. But I can mm -hmm. only imagine because I'm around a lot of people who when it's just a group of us black people, we'll talk about police brutality. We'll talk about everything going on with our people. But I think that's brave to be in a position where it's no one that looks like you around. And they're asking your opinion on black people, some people wouldn't be as brave and they may not want to speak their mind thinking what ramifications may come because of it. So I salute you for being in that position and saying, you know what? I don't care what y'all think that was wrong to me. You know what I mean? Right. And you know, and I, I explained this to you imagine being a black mother, having a black husband, mm -hmm. imagine how I must feel trying to explain this to my own boys and, and mm -hmm. somehow trying to figure out a way to say that, that's not how it is in the Sacramento region. That's not how it is in Citrus Heights. And hope that one day y'all don't prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, so I salute you for that. So there's something else I read. And I just wanted to, because I read the story and it makes sense to me, but I wanted you to talk to my audience about it. So in 2009, 2019, while running for city council, you sued the city of Citrus Heights for not allowing you to use 
planning commissioner as your title. That sounds like a um, sounds like a small thing. That doesn't sound like sounds like a hurdle that was put in front of you. Like, talk to me about that situation for a minute. Right. So ballot designations are important. And by at that time when I was running, I did not have a lot of community standing. I felt like I was kind of locked out of the community because they knew I ran in 2016. They knew I was coming again. I was on the planning commission. I was asking a lot of questions. I was very curious about what was going on in our city and why we were approving certain projects and how could we make those projects better. So when I'm like, okay, I'm doing this work on the planning commission, I'm putting in the hours and the effort, and then I want to use it as a ballot designation because it's important. You know, people, when you pick up that piece of paper, you say, Portia Milton, you know, businesswoman, you know, community member. Th that doesn't spark people to want to vote for you. Um, but if it says planning commissioner, it lets them know that I am in, I'm a part of the city and I'm doing the work already and I'm qualified mm -hmm. to continue to do the work at a higher level. So I was told that I couldn't use it. I could use mm -hmm. any other thing I wanted to do, you know, you know, community volunteer, engineer, businesswoman, anything else. And I said, no. So you know me, you know, being tenacious, I went and I looked. I looked and I found one time where one other individual used that title as a ballot designation. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going we're, we're gonna to let me use this title. No. I had raised $15,000 in my campaign account, right? I was so proud of that. You know, first, you know, second time candidate, got my stuff together. All right, got some money, going to get out here and hustle. Um, I had to write a $15,000 check to these attorneys to put them on retainer. Wow. So I was at zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a, it, but it's one of those things that black women, we know what it means to, to hustle. So I went out there, I raised yeah, more money. Um, it took me a little bit longer to do it. You know, I'm starting from zero again, but I also knew that I got two legs and, you know, God taught me how to walk, you know? So I went out there, I walked, um, I always tell the story how I was a, I started out as a size 12 and went to a size four, got shin splints. <laughs> And and kept on kept on walking and knocking on doors. So people were just tired of seeing me mm. and they knew I was here and I was serious. And at the end of the day, um, we we won that suit and every person that comes behind us can use planning commissioner as a ballot designation. And um, I I hesitate about whether or not I want to talk about this because um, I actually had a planning commissioner who kind of dragged me through our local paper saying that, you know, no one spends that kind of time and effort on planning commission. You know, he, he, he asserted that he only spent, you know, maybe a couple hours a month. But then that same individual used that designation after I won it, after I fought mm. for it, <laughs> and, 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 you know, to run for office. And I was just like, not to be petty, but I think what you want to say is thank you. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Wow. So, salute you, sister. And that's, I wanted to have this conversation with you, Portia, because we are very critical of politicians, especially black politicians. But I think something we never look at is how it must be for them. We see what they're up against. We see it's a couple black faces, three, four black faces in a sea of Caucasian people to be in that position and still push for something that's going to create change. You have to be tenacious. You have to be persistent. And I wanted to highlight that with you today, sister. So I salute you for that. Now, in your opinion, like, because this is important to, uh, to me. I don't have daughters. I have all sons. But for my nieces, grandkids, this is important to me. How important is it 
for young black girls to see people like yourself in positions of power, in positions of influence? Like how how effective do you think that can be on their psyche when we know how the public school system treats our kids to a, uh, to yeah. a degree? Our communities are inundated with hip hop and all these images that may not be beneficial for us. So how important do you think it is for young black girls to see you in your position? It changes the trajectory of their lives. It has such a deep impact. We, Because we're having more black women elected in record numbers, we won't see that impact for another generation. It will mm -hmm. be how these young girls now raise their daughters. When we will be the impact, we'll see the fruition of that work. I mean, right now, I know that when I go and I talk to these young girls and they're just like, wow, you're, you're an elected official. When you walk into a room, people have to respect you. And, and I tell them, yeah, and you can do that. You don't have to do whatever it is you think you have to do. You know, most of these girls are like, well, you know, I'm not good at engineering. I'm not good at math or science. I, I, maybe, I'll, you know, maybe I'll just be a teacher. And there's nothing wrong with being a teacher, but I feel like it just limits the scope of what they can actually do. And I say, you know, think bigger. I mean, if you could be anything, what would you be? I said, because I never would have thought that I would be an elected official. But I knew that first time when I turned in those papers, I was doing the right thing. And I know that by being that beacon of hope and that light for them and walking with my back straight, and just you know, telling my story, it, it makes an impact. Definitely, and definitely. And I think for years to come, um, um, individuals like yourself, individuals like Michelle Obama, I think we just need more, like more of an influx of positive imagery of what our children can be. Because Portia, I grew up here in Sacramento in an urban community where being a young black male, where there are a lot of drugs being sold, yeah. My family members participated in a lot of these things. Only thing we thought about as far as a career path is using our athletic prowess. So we thought we were going to be basketball players or football players. And really, right. I didn't. The cool people to me were the guys on the corner. Like I'd never seen a black man in a suit that I still consider cool. You know what I mean? And right. that's important for us just to have those images of what we can actually be like the models of possibility is extremely important you know what i mean so i was looking through your social media and i seen um for black history month you were posting about you know a lot of um the individuals that have came before us which of course i'm a big proponent of history and yes. everything we've been through and for me I use it as a form of motivation. I'm of the belief that absolutely a lot of the young people in our community, if they understood what they came from, the individuals that came before them in the circumstances that got us here, that can make you walk with your chest out. That can make you say, you know what? I don't have to dress like that or think this way. It, it, right. it can be used as inspiration. Like what's your take on Black History Month? Because one thing I want to add in our community, Black History Month gets a bad rap sometimes. People will say it's the shortest month of the year. People will say we don't need Black History Month. We got Black History is every day of the year, right? So talk yeah. to me about how you feel about Black History Month. Black History Month is that one time. I don't care how many days it is, you know, got to make the most of it. If they, if they mm -hmm. shorten it by two days and, hey, we got 26 days, we're going to make it work. <laughs> but it's that time for us to really change that narrative that has been ongoing about black people. We don't have to reach all the way back to our ancestors in Africa. 
we can just reach back one or two generations to find out the individuals who have truly made a difference in American history. Mm -hmm. Black history is American history. When you look at everything that has been built in this country, everything that's been invented, um, every, every step in science, every major step has been made. There is a black person somewhere behind that. I, I remember, you know, watching like these, this, these movies about, you know, women in science and STEM and, you know, writing program and math, math problems for you know, astronauts, right? And you're like, we did, who, who knew it was, black, it was a bunch of black women? No one. We need to continue telling these stories so people don't have to think that they have to reach so far back into their past. It's right here next to you. Your mama, your grandmama, your uncle, your dad, your grandpa, grandmas, they have stories of, of times where they have triumphed, of, of where we have succeeded. And we need to begin telling those stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I always tell people, because most of the people around me don't necessarily um, um, dig into black history. And what I mean by that is you may see a post on social media. You may have a conversation with someone where they tell you you may see something on tv but to me the, the 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 biggest process of getting to learn about these things is taking your personal time and investing 15 20 30 minutes we all have phones this great technology yes. do some research on these individuals and it and it can become empowering because i'm always into the details right the details mm -hmm. what, what year did this happen what were they faced uh, what what were they up against at the time? All these things are important. So I tell people for Black History Month, I know it gets a, a bad rap at times, but use it as a tool. If you don't um, look up Black history, if you don't read a lot, use this month as an opportunity to, to read about these different individuals. And one of them may inspire you to do something in particular with your life. One of them may make you look around your community and say, you know what? I don't have to be involved in this because me, Portia, just so you know, I'm a father of five. I had my first two children in high school, Portia. So what, what brought me to this point that I'm at right now is after time moved forward, I begin to look at history and systematic racism and how everything has played out. And that made me say, you know what? I was actually a part of the problem. Now, I understand how mm -hmm. systemic issues can put you in a position where Sometimes it's hard to make another choice, but I said, you know what? It's it's common to know that okay, there was a system put in place to put me here, but I have a choice. Right? There's Don't make it a crutch. Yep. Yep. Definitely. When you know better, do better. It mm -hmm. just reminds me of the the story of Uncle Tom, right? Mm -hmm. And we it's, it has a negative connotation in our communities, and that's because it's being taught that way. I made it a yep. point to post on my my personal page on Facebook saying. This is the real story about Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom didn't believe in beating on women. He didn't believe in misusing children. He went out there and he did his best that he could to make sure that all of his community was able to survive and, you know, to, to survive the, the cruelty of slavery mm -hmm. and then create a place for them where if they could make it there, they would be safe. And that was before the Underground Railroad, right? Yep. yep. It's one of those things that like when I hear stories being told about black men and they're not true, I'm the first one to say, hey, come on, man, get it right. Tell the story right now. I mean, I, we all, black people as a whole get a bad rap anyway, right? We, yes. don't, we don't need no extra. Definitely, definitely. That's why it, it baffles me when I see um, things like critical race theory 
even being a conversation like the the negative feedback that i'm seeing and i'm like wait a minute i must be getting something wrong do you mean to tell me we're just creating an initiative where we'll teach the absolute truth in school that's it you don't have to uh speak negatively about anyone in particular you don't it's have not to up for it. debate it's what i'm always telling people it's history it's factual i mean we can we can speak the facts in a way that it's true you know it's like if you walk out in the middle of rush hour traffic you'll get hit by a car is that traumatic for some people to hear maybe they you know maybe some they got hit by a car or something absolutely do we just stop speaking about the dangers of walking out in front of traffic no we don't because we understand that people need to remember that this is dangerous mm -hmm. and we are we are doomed to repeat our history simply because folks are trying to erase 400 years of history Definitely. and say that it doesn't matter anymore. And mm -hmm. my mom was always talking to people and she's saying, yeah, we might have, you know, gotten free. We might have been free for a hundred or more, you know, so years. But she said, you got to remember back in the 60s, we were still fighting for affirmative action. I mean, mm -hmm. how far ago was the 60s? And why are we still having this conversation about voter rights, civil rights, and, you know, about, and about you know, systemic racism? Why, mm -hmm. why are we still having these conversations if we are so far removed from that? And it's because mm -hmm. we're not. People just don't want to have to address it and deal with it. But we know that our legislators have the ability to get things done. So in the midst of all the Black Lives Matter protests and everything that was going on, and then we had the unfortunate events of all the, you know, Asian hate, you know, we had, like, you know, API individuals being, you know, beaten on the streets and stuff. They were able to pass an anti-Asian hate bill. But in 2019, the anti-lynching bill died. And I'm like, well, what's the difference? <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. That's why. And I tell my friends this a lot because I'm I when I first became a quote unquote conscious person, I was kind of angry, Portia. I'm not going to lie. I was hell on everything. Religion, <laughs> politics. I was hell on everybody. But I tell my friends sometimes when we look at like a Martin Luther King, regardless of if you agree with his ideology or not, mm -hmm. Malcolm X. These are fairly young men. These men died in their 30s trying to liberate black people. They could have chosen Martin Luther King could have got a really good preaching job. And, and yeah. if he wanted to, Malcolm X could have went in a different direction. So I'm always telling people just like this. I'm not sure if you follow the NFL at all, but there's an NFL coach. named Oh, Brian yes. Morris, Blew his career friend, up to help everybody else. I tell everybody that's revolution yes. we can sit around and talk about what needs to be done but until all of us and i and i get how money is important mm -hmm. i get how not shaking up your family is important but i tell people around me and on my show what are you willing to sacrifice for our liberation because you're a politician and we're here to talk to you but i think politics is one tool to liberation i don't i don't i'm not comfortable portia with someone voting and then going back home and just sitting on the couch. I say you vote if that's what you believe in. Then what don't you like in your community? Is it too dirty? Is there not enough um, stores with black businesses? Pick what you don't like. Try to make a difference in that area. You can you can with your two feet walk to who need who, who you need to speak to. You can go to your congressman. You can do things personally, even if you want to start an organization. You can do things personally 
that can affect change in our community mm -hmm. and just relying on people outside of our community to be completely responsible for liberating us. I'm not comfortable with that. So absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely not. Uh, I don't, I don't think that that's voting is, is a tool It's the beginning and it's the end. It's the beginning where, you know, I got elected into office and I said, I'm going to do these things. And I expect people to hold me accountable. I, I'm a person of integrity. So I make sure that I'm like, you know, I get, I got it done. You know, I, I delivered for my community like I said I would. But, you know, you also have to make sure you're staying engaged and you know what that person is doing. Whether you voted for them or not, they still represent you. And that's what we have to remember. If your guy doesn't win, your guy or gal doesn't win, they still represent you and you still get the right to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And if they don't do along the way what you think they should be doing for your community, it's your job to go out there find, to tell people to find somebody else to run. And at the end of the day, when November rolls around or when the primary runs around, rolls around, you make sure you have the votes, as many votes as you can get in your community to vote them out. Definitely. That's definitely. how it works. And that's the strongest tool that our black community has because we have the numbers mm -hmm. in these areas. And we mm -hmm. think that, oh, well, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference because, you know, if you if you take the eggs out of the fridge and sit them on the counter, that omelet still ain't getting made, man. There's, there's a few more steps you got to go through. And that's what I really want people to understand about the political process. Yeah, I'm your elected official. I'm here. I, I'm doing the best I can. But if you see something in the community that hasn't reached my ears yet, it's your job to let me know. Mm -hmm. And it's my job to make sure I, I respond to you so that you know that you are heard and to tell you what can and cannot be done. Definitely, definitely, Portia. So that leads me into my next question. A lot of people in our community, Portia, because of um, what we see from the presidents, a Donald Trump, if you will, who seems to spew all of this rhetoric that's aimed at us. We 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 get to a point where we're, we say, you know what? I don't trust none of them. I don't trust in that process. I'm here in my community struggling. I'm going to just deal with what I see right in front of me. So what do you have to say, being a politician, to black people in our country who look at the political process and say, you know what? I don't even care. Why bother? I'll just work my job, do what I have to do, but they don't care about me. You know what I mean? I think that's a very sad place to, to get to that belief. It's not true. And if you give up your power to an elected official politician to, to make decisions for you, you'll end up with situations where, you know, you, you end up with, um, with water that's no good, with air quality is terrible. You'll end up, you know, with with a food desert where you, all you have are, you know, convenience stores to buy your food at because, you know, you weren't paying attention. You didn't want to be engaged. You felt like you had no power. You'll end up, you know, you're sitting there in your in your in your home and, you know, you're working hard to, to pay your rent or your mortgage. And the next thing you know, gentrification comes through and you get pushed out. Mm -hmm. That didn't happen overnight. It was happening while you were sitting there, you know, you know, putting those blinders on. So I'm just going to focus on this instead of just, instead of facing it head on. I think that folks usually don't face it head on is because the thought of doing it, it's so daunting. It's so overwhelming because you're just like, it's going to take forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, and many, many others hadn't taken that first step, we wouldn't be where we are right now. We have yeah. an obligation and a duty to continue taking steps, no matter how big or small, forward to making sure that our communities get the representation that they deserve and have the resources that we need. And Definitely. it shouldn't come out of tragedy. It shouldn't come because we are, we are forcing people to do the right thing. Even when, you know, it's not 
you know, popular, right? Mm -hmm, it's always mm -hmm. good for politicians to deliver some money when there's a tragedy in your in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Makes makes everybody feel good and look good. Mm -hmm. it, but it does our community no good because that's one time money. That's a, that's a one time spotlight. Definitely, definitely. So, and that's why I always say, vote. Like if 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 you're into voting, get involved in the process, especially locally. But do what you can on your own. If things are going on in your community on like a grassroots level that you don't enjoy or that you feel is negatively affecting everyone, do something yourself. Call some meetings. Go. I, I know a brother that I interviewed seven or eight months ago. He said he was inspired by what I do. And I said, hey, bro, so what are you? He's in Minnesota. I said, hey, bro, so what are you doing in Minnesota to, you know, help out your people or get some right. movement going? He said, I'd be in parks picking up trash. And I thought for me, I said, you know what? That's a great start. Yes. That's a great start. If your park, if pieces of our community is filthy and downtrodden, sometimes the individuals in the community can say, you know what? I'm going to go pick up trash. I'm going to make sure that the kids around here act in a particular way. If there's potholes in the streets, I'm going to make sure I contact the correct person. So involvement, it always fares better to me when you become fully immersed in helping us in any way you can. Certain people aren't activists. Certain people aren't good at speaking, whatever the case may be. Right. We all should help out. Right. You're exactly right. Um, that's one of the things that I kind of I learned along the way of running for office. It wasn't something that I knew how to do. No one wrote me a roadmap. I literally sat down one day, um, went on the Internet, printed out thousands of pages, and I wrote what I call my campaign Bible. I said, this is what I believe will help me to win. And then I went around and I tried to find individuals who could help me fulfill some of those needs. So I said, you know, I need somebody that can print. I need somebody who can do design work. And I tell you what, for, for um, folks who are in politics, you know, it's hard for, especially for black people, because we don't know what we don't know. Hmm. So I've, I mean, to this day, I get, I get you know, consultants and, and you know, folks that, that take advantage, right? I find out after the fact that, oh, I paid too much for that mm. or, oh, you know, they're not delivering. I'm about to cut them loose. But because I'm black, I got to I got to do I got to cut them loose. Nice. Right. There you go. Because <laughs> yep. if, if I don't, I got to give them a smile. I'm cutting them loose because <laughs> I'm coming back trying to derail me <laughs> all because, you know, I paid you, but you didn't like how I said goodbye. Mm -hmm. I got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And just So I want to touch on that real quick. That has to be difficult. I, I remember I can almost see it. In Obama's face, like he couldn't say things a certain way. We we all yes. knew once he says it a certain way. Ah, I knew gotcha. you were angry. Yeah. See, he's just like them. So, what, are you thinking about this when you're in meetings, when you're in environments where you need to say something and you're passionate? Do you kind of hold it in and say it nicer? How do you approach it? Um. If, at first I did. At first I kind of held it in a little bit and I'm like, ah, it's, make, it's making my clothes feel tight. <laughs> I can't do that. And so then I, I started learning, how do I say it in their language? Mm. You know, so, you know, what y'all doing is wrong. I don't agree with the path that we've taken with this process. And I want to take a step back, rewind a bit and really dive deeper into the processes that we are using. Hmm. And always smiling, right? So you see, it, it's, it's their language. Like, oh, well, you know, because anytime, especially a black woman, if we come across and we're saying, we're coming across, we're saying, we don't like something, something doesn't feel right, or this is wrong, 
oh, you're being negative, you're being hostile, you're angry, mm-hmm. you know, you just need to relax. And I'm like, don't tell me to relax. You you know you're wrong. <laughs> Let me find another way to say it to you so you can understand without me, without this coming across as, oh, she's angry and she's, you know, she's being the aggressor in the situation. Mm-hmm. That's the hardest thing for us as black folks to overcome is, you know, being perceived as the aggressor. It's funny, you know, I, I'm an elected official in my community and there are times, you know, I'm walking in Target. Target, I mean, Target is nice, right? And, you know, and I see, I see a little white lady and she'll clutch her purse closer. And I'm like, woman, we are in Target. You need to calm down. <laughs> Do you? And really, if you're in Citrus Heights, it's almost like, how dare you? (laughs) You should literally recognize me. I am the only one here. Definitely, definitely. Now, one of the final questions I have for you, Portia. So this is something I I just thought of this like 10 minutes before we got on. And this, this intrigues me so much. Okay, a black politician, let's say a black politician, uh, wants to make changes in the black community now now that i'm older i understand that if what what you're a senator city councilman president you have a job to help a lot of people like how can a black politician or or can a black politician focus on something that's specifically for their race like something comes up that affects black people is it even possible for a black politician to say, okay, I want to see this happen. I want to make change in this area. Can they just do it? You can't just do it. Um, <laughs> as, a, as a council member, as a mayor, I have four other people that I have to convince that we need to do it. And that's where building strong relationships and understanding what other folks are interested in. And also what, what, Oh, I'm sorry. My speaker decided to talk, but also understanding what what people want and how that how you can get them what they want while also achieving your own goals. Hmm. I do believe that it is every black politician's responsibility to know the needs of their community going into office Hmm. and figuring out having a game plan up front. How do you make that happen? And sometimes, mm. you know, you, you gotta you gotta pull out the stops and you have to say, okay, I need for you all, I know it's hard for us, but I need you to show up and I need you to be on time for this meeting. And I need you to say these things in front of these folks so that I can say, look, your community oh, is speaking to you. Got it. What are you it's, it's it. not me saying it, it's your community. Are you telling me that you're not gonna listen to them because because what? Their vote doesn't count as much. Mm. Um, they're less part of the community because they're black. It makes them uncomfortable to have those kind of conversations. It makes them think, oh, you know what? If they're here, they took their time to be here. We should listen because that's one thing I've learned about, about my colleagues and all politicians is time is precious. So when people take their time, you know, letter writing is good, you know, um, stopping at City Hall and making a complaint, that's good. Mm. But when you come, and you're in a, in a council meeting, and you're 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 sitting. You fill out that speaker card, and you are telling me the business about this ain't right, and this is why I don't like it. I have no choice but to hear you, and I have no choice but to direct somebody to follow up with you and get a solution. Mm, okay, so I'm learning here. So we got to do it together. Yes, you can't just do it by yourself as a black politician. I can't look at you on my couch and say, "Why isn't she doing?" 
when I should be saying, why am I not doing? Hmm. Interesting, Portia. Wow. Okay. That's, that's, that's necessary. And I think it's important for us to have these conversations because again, I'm all for the political process, helping out my people, but I'm well aware there are things we need to do ourselves as well. You know what I mean? And you being in a position where it's, you know, it's only you in that environment. To me, Portia, you're a trailblazer. And hopefully the city of Centris Heights, even though it's 73% Caucasians or whatever, hopefully another young black girl in that community will see you and they'll say, you know what? I can do that too. That, that is my goal. I, I'm holding that seat and holding space for those who want to participate in that process, learn more. So uh, I even started an internship uh, through the mayor's office through Sac State and saying, hey, you know, Find me some, some some folks of color. I know, you know I know that you know that's one thing we don't have when we're in college is time to be devoting to a free you know unpaid internship. But it's a good way for for our folks to get connected and, and to learn about what's going on in city government. And I always make sure that whenever my interns come through and they leave, they got a letter of recommendation. I can I say where where do you want to go? What kind of jobs are you going to apply for? I see who I know there. I try my best to connect them that way. I am very passionate about making sure our youth have a solid start because that's that's the only way we're gonna, any change that I make or my colleagues make, the only way we're gonna be able to sustain that change in a black community is by making sure there are people behind us that we have helped and they know how to do the work and continue to make progress. So we, can, mm. we can't drop the baton, we have, to, we have to reach back. And I know that's hard for our community to do sometimes because we get this sense of, I don't wanna help somebody because they might take something from me. And I always tell them, it's not pie. It's not a pizza. There's plenty out here. There, there are more elected offices for folks to run for or to be involved in than there are the number of us. Hmm. And if by chance somebody, somebody comes up and they take my seat, it was my time to go because the people said so. Definitely, definitely. So one more time, because uh, we kind of been speaking about it, but I wanted I want you to lay it out for all of my listeners. If I'm a citizen of my community and there are things going on that I don't like, like this is just from a citizen's perspective, black or not, mm -hmm. give me some things I can do to get things done in my community. Well, you touched on a few of them. You can go out there and you can do them yourself, find an organization to be a part of. Um, if you talk to your elected represent representative, they can tell you, of other resources. A lot of times there, there's, there, there's grants and development block grant funding that can be utilized through organizations to get some of that work done you want in your community. Mm -hmm. But if you don't speak about it, if we're not aware of it, if you don't work with us, we don't know. I remind folks all the time that the people at City Hall, their job is to work with the community. Mm -hmm. If there was no city government, they wouldn't have a they wouldn't have a position they wouldn't have anything to do they're literally here as, as a, like a huge customer service organization right hmm. everything they do is for customer service of our region from the roads to the buildings to the housing everything and you need to remember that that, that that's your power as an elected official or as an elected official to remind people that and it's the folks power to remember that you pay taxes you live here and that's enough for you to feel like you have a voice to say whatever i mean i have people who come and they 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 send me emails about roosters? They want they want us to ban roosters in Citrus Heights. And I'm like, um, I understand your frustration, but we can't. <laughs> and here's why. 
if you want us to change it, you need to go talk to this person at the county. That's your elected representative at the county who can change that ordinance. Otherwise, I can't do anything about that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know what? As you say that, it made me think. I know what it, when looking at like the history of our community, I think at times, Portia, we've been shut out of so many things that we get to a point where we feel our voice doesn't matter. We get to a yeah. point where they put us here. Things are things are the way they are. They're not going to listen to me. But when I see people from other communities, they're writing letters. They're talking to whoever they need to, even when it even when it comes down to just shopping at a store and, re, and reviewing a store as you see it, they're going to give their input on what mm -hmm. they think should happen. And that's a mentality we need to adopt as well. Absolutely. There is strength in numbers and it could be a form letter that each one of y'all, you know, have a, have a print, 10 printed copies and you get 10 of your neighbors to sign your name to it. That is still powerful. Hmm. That still makes an impact. That lets me know that 10 people don't like something. Yeah. Um, one thing I would say is like, don't, don't just contact your elected officials when you don't like something. If I'm doing something good, I would, I would love to hear that too. <laughs> I mean, I'm a human, I'm a person like everyone else. And I want to, I want to hear sometimes that, you know, what, what am I getting right? I want to have that open dialogue. So I let my, my residents and constituents know I have an open door policy. If you email me, I'll email you back. If you leave me a message, City Hall, I'm going to get back in contact with you. If I don't have the answer, I'm going to find it for you because that's what I was elected to do. Definitely. And yeah. that, that's, your, that's your right as a, as a resident. They, we need to encourage and remind our folks, this is your right. You got the right to vote, and this is what that right looks like. This, yeah. you know, if you don't like something in your neighborhood, if you don't think you have enough resources you know, at, at your local parks, there's a person for that. And we can help you find that person and, and advocate for you. Hmm. Got it. Got it. Okay. So I'm going to spread the word, Portia. We just need to not only vote and you can on your own say, I'm going to community organize, but hold. Cause I would think and answer this last question. When we say hold a politician accountable, what, what does that mean exactly? That does not mean throw things at them or hurl insults. Let's start with that. That's what it does not mean. It does mean that if I said I support affordable housing and an affordable housing resolution comes before the council and I vote against it, that means you have every right to be upset with me and to ask me why. And I am, I, I am, I am accountable to, to answer that question and to, and to, be, to understand your frustration with me. And I better have a very good reason for why I did what I did. Mm. And if you don't like my reason, it is your job to go tell five of your neighbors and tell five of your neighbors and tell five more people. And then y'all get together and y'all don't vote for me. <laughs> That's what accountability looks like. Got it. it doesn't mean sitting there complaining, you know, getting on Facebook and, and doing like you, you see these, these keyboard warriors. I'm like, you're not yeah. accomplishing anything. This is, these, this is a wonderful dialogue here sometimes. But it would be better if you were saying it at the council meeting mm. where it has more of an impact. I can tell you right now that um, I learned early on that the rule of thumb is if it's said on Facebook and they say they're going to show up at the council meeting and they don't, you don't even worry about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, people just feel that immediate frustration. They want to say something and then that's it. They fuck are done. I said it, I'm done. You got to follow through. You, gotta you follow wouldn't. Through. You wouldn't you wouldn't allow your house to fall into disarray, right? 
You know, you got to pick up, clean up. You know, you got to, you know, wash and feed your kids. You know what you have to do. You wouldn't just let them be like, oh, just going to, I fed them one time. That should be enough, right? 18 <laughs> years, eight. I fed them when they were five. They're good. That's not, that's not how it works. It's consistency. You got to stay engaged. Makes a lot of sense. Well, sister, I appreciate you coming on the show today. This was this was special for me. I lived in Centers Heights for for 10 years almost. You know what I mean? So oh. I'm familiar with the community. Um, and I thank you for being a beacon of light for us. Just like I figured, like I knew it was difficult to, to be in those positions and be in those meetings and speaking up for us. But everybody listen, as she's saying, if you care about your community, if you care about change and want things to happen in a particular way, yes, yeah, start your own organization, be a community activist, but you got to go to some of these meetings. You got to go to some of these meetings to give her validity, what I'm learning now, to give her validity to say, hey, look, they saying it, not the politicians say it, and the meeting comes up and nobody's there saying it. They're going to be like, well, maybe that's just in your mind. You know what I mean? So everybody right. go out. If you vote, follow through. We're kind of saying the same thing. If you vote, follow through. Do more than just put your ballot in. Put your feet right. to the ground and actually help our people out. I appreciate having you on today, Portia. Everybody who's listening to this on the digital platforms, please like, please share, leave a comment. My YouTube family, please do the same. This is important. We have conversations with Black people from all walks of life. So it was only right to have you here, Portia. Tell everybody, if we want to support you, if we want to become an advocate of yours, Portia, how can we go about doing that? Oh, that is so easy. You go to my website, PortiaMiddleton.com. Sign up, sign up for my newsletter. Follow me on my social media. Endorse me. You know, fill out the little form. It takes 30 seconds to say that, you know, you support what I'm doing. And if you got a little bit of change in your pocket and you think that, you know, I can really do some more work in Citrus Heights for re-election. It's coming up this November. Donate five, ten bucks. Everything helps because I want to make sure I can show folks that I'm not taking big donor dollars. I'm taking dollars from small folks who believe in what I'm doing. That's mm. what's most important to me. How many individuals are getting behind the message that I have and what I believe is right? Definitely, definitely. So everybody, you heard it here first from the sister Portia Middleton. She is the mayor of Centrus Heights. That's in Sac it's in California, in Sacramento. It's near where I'm at now in Antelope. So this is important, family, for everybody outside of Sacramento, outside of California. And as Portia said, she started this process by just downloading some papers and saying, where do I start? And she got busy. So if we have individuals who are politically inclined in different states. You can run for city council. If you put your head on straight and be focused and do the necessary work, you can get there, too. So, again, sister, thank you very thank much you. for being on the show today. I appreciate you having uh, I appreciate having you on, everybody. This has been another episode of the Melanated Combo podcast. Thank you for joining me. And like I always say, it's always important just to have the conversation. We out.